quick changes on these lines here as we go into this second overtime. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Oh! a special edition of the Hot Corner Podcast. I'm Jason Laplow. For the first episode of the second season, I had the opportunity to sit down with the former Dow High head football coach of 20 years, Mr. Frank Altimore. He shared with me some of his favorite memories from throughout the years as a coach and really just offered an insight into the life of a high school football coach. So without further ado, here is the interview. I hope you enjoy. My first interaction, first interaction with football, what made you fall in love with the game? I I played football from age eight on. Really? I played for a famous uh, midget team called the Morningside Bulldogs back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. I uh, that's that was high level midget football, okay. Pop Warner type deal, much like our local uh, youth football league here. Mm-hmm. Only we traveled all over the state of Pennsylvania to play. And then I went to a, a Catholic high school, all boys, and uh, played there from freshman year on. Then went to Michigan State as a player, a scholarship player, and played at Michigan State on a national championship team in 1965. And then in 1966, I was a graduate assistant at Michigan State and worked with the, the freshman football and taught a class, taught a number of classes as a grad assistant. And then this job happened to open up at uh, Midland High School, and uh, it was a great opportunity. And I needed a job, and they needed a coach, so it worked out pretty well. So you were born in? Pittsburgh. I was in born Pittsburgh. in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And so and you got brought here from Michigan State. I got brought here from Pittsburgh to Michigan State. Right. And then you just happened to find a job here in Midland. Well, it just not just happened. Uh, the head football coach at Midland High School, Bob Stoppard, was the father of my roommate at Michigan State. Okay. The interesting thing, I came here and didn't have a place to live. So I stayed at my room in my roommate's room for four months. He went to Pittsburgh, didn't have a place to live, and stayed in my room <laughs> in Pittsburgh. So that was it. All right. And you mentioned that your son was the uh, sports editor. Sports but editor. Was he ever into football? He was an all-state receiver here. Really? Yes. And what year was that? That was uh, his senior year, 2000. No, uh, 2000. Okay. Yeah, 2000. All right. And what year did you stop coaching here at Dell? 2002. Okay, so you were part of the 
was that 90, 97, 97 you went to, went to the silver dome. Yes. Yeah. Into the state championships. What was that like? That was a fantastic experience. We had a, um, a team that as juniors, we thought we were really a good football team and lost games. We lost three games by a touchdown and a very close games that we, we just weren't ready to win. And then as seniors, they decided that they were going to be football players rather than just players. Mm-hmm. And they made a great effort during the off season. And um, our coaches made an effort. And the end result was we played hard the whole year and lost one game going into the um, finals by uh, 28-27 down at Flint Central. So great game. <coughs> So you were just an assistant coach at Midland for a number of years? I was at Midland High School from 1967 to 1983. Okay. And I came here in the fall of 83. I was an assistant football coach all that time, and I was a head baseball coach from 1972 to 1983 when we won two state championships in that time. Should have won five. At Midland? Yeah, should have won five. Yeah. <laughs> so how did it feel coming to Dow and then the school you're at is suddenly your biggest rival? Um, you know, I never thought of it as anything other than I wanted an opportunity to be the head football coach. Dow needed a head football coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the players were pretty much the same. I mean, you know, they, I never saw any difference. And I was happy to have this opportunity. To I was ready to, to be a head football coach. I had turned down a couple of jobs before uh, simply because I was concerned about their hiring practices. I was concerned about the school itself. And when I had this opportunity here to stay within the Midland public school system because my children were, I wanted them educated in the public yeah. school system. And I also... Um, I wanted to stay within the system. And my wife teaches in the system. And my wife said, how, how do you like commuting every day <laughs> to Flint or, yeah. you know, wherever? And I said, well, because she wasn't going to leave. She's uh-huh. a born and bred here in Midland. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so this uh, edition of the update is going to come out on Midland Dow Friday. So Great. I'm wondering, can you recount some of the best Midland Dow games that you've coached on either side? Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, the first one Mm -hmm. was one of the most exciting because I thought Dow had some of the best talent that I had seen in a lot of years. And we felt, see, Dow started as sophomores. Yeah. And that sophomore class we needed at Midland High. Mm -hmm. They, They came from Jefferson. And Jefferson always was a great feeder school for us. They had a great coach named Don Casper, and he sent tremendous number of players our way. Well, they had some great players that we at Midland High needed, and we had a great – we had won the state championship in 68 and -hmm. thought we were going to repeat in 69 because we had all those great players back. But we were just short a guy named Roy Burks. And a quarterback named Jura. I mean, those are, those guys were the first guys. Um, 
they had some linemen that we envied tremendously. And we thought they were going to be a great football team. But our kids in the first game, that would have been 1970. Okay. That was such, there was so much excitement for that game. I mean, really, it was an incredible evening. And it set the, I have to tell you, it set the tone for it being the greatest sports spectacle in the city of Midland mm -hmm. every year. Yeah. 10,000 people go to the game. Um, some just to go to see a good football game. Uh, some, you know, old Midland High uh, people or now old Dow High people. I mean, yeah. it's 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 quite a spectacle. So, yeah, that was, but that set the tone for it. Sure. 1975, Dow wins the state championship after having some mediocre years, but they had a wonderful team. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was the first year of the state championships being held in the Silver Dome. Okay. So that was a, that was a you know exciting. And to tell you the truth, that our team at Midland was just okay. I mean, they were they were they were a good football team, but they uh, the game was close. And um, as all most most of those games are close, and um, so you know, Dow won, went from there and on and won the state championship. And to tell you the truth, we were happy for it. City of Midland celebrates, yeah. and you go from there. I mean, but the next year, when I was at Midland, our seniors, because Dow had a very good team coming back in '76. And our seniors at Midland High made a commitment that they were not going to get beat, <laughs> and it was it was it was really an, a, a tough football game. I mean, I I turned to our coaches. And I said, "Wow, there's some hitting going on. I mean, some serious <laughs> yeah. hitting going on out there." So, you know, and, and that's why all those games ended up mm -hmm. going back and forth. So, aside from the game, of course. What was your favorite Midland Dow festivity? My favorite Midland, you know, I always loved homecoming. Uh huh. You know, I thought that was uh, a fantastic weekend of activities, not only for the players. And I tried, I would try to tell them, remember, you're playing a football game. Forget about the dance. If <laughs> yeah. you need a date, let me know. Uh huh. You know, I got, I'll have a lineup for you if you need, <laughs> you need some help. If you don't need a date, then you're good for you. Uh, you know, I mean, because I know a lot of you guys are shy and and I've actually probably never talked to a girl. Um, so yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. I thought homecoming was great. I thought the Midland Dow week was intense. Mm -hmm. I don't know how intense it is now, but during my time, it was very intense. Uh, pep rallies were real pep rallies. You know, yeah. they, they, I mean, they were real pep rallies. And um, and I thought, you know, the fans got into it. Uh, the players got into it. Parents really got into it. So it was that those those things, I think, are the. All right. Now, you've been with MCTV. How long have you been doing that? 16 years. 16. One year after I okay. stopped coaching. And 15 years. How did they approach you? Did you go to them? Or no, they they uh, they needed somebody to um, be their uh, color mm -hmm. announcer. And uh, I really didn't want to sit out in the cold. So <laughs> I, I said, yeah, it sounds good. We'll I said we would try it All right. for a year. And to tell you the truth, I loved it. 
and they seem to like me, so I'm happy to do it. And what are some of the favorite games you've witnessed from the press? Well, every single down really? Midland game, yeah. every single game, be just because of the excitement of it and the fact that uh, you know we really want to do a good job mm-hmm. in that game and and try to highlight players. Uh, we've done some things that have been fun in that game and we try to really do a good job of setting up the keys of the game as to who can win, who can't highlight certain players that we think uh, are deserving of attention. And so I have a list that I make out as the season's going on and try to point out that, but it's going to be on television. They're going to tape it or Uh get it. I'm going to try to. So you're not just, writing a list up right before the game happens you're watching all season long. I I start I watch every football game at the stadium. So I'm able to watch Midland and Dow and I try to travel if there's a good game I try to travel to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only game I missed this year that I would have liked to have seen was the Midland Mount Pleasant game. Mm-hmm. And we were doing Dow's homecoming that weekend. I see. So that's why I, but that's the only good game that I missed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're preparing all season long. And I'm watching a little bit of film, too. The reason I got in contact with you is actually I read an article from the Midland Daily News when the press box burned down. Yeah. And it was talking about the memories you had there. So what was that feeling like for you when you heard that the press box had been burned down? Thank goodness. <laughs> I know. I've been in that... That old one is pretty rickety. Goodness. Well, <laughs> the problem with the old one is that uh, uh, you know it it really has seen its time. Yeah. And the other thing is that it was cold mm-hmm. or hot. I mean, there was no in between. There was a furnace in there at one time, but it must have stopped working in the fifties. And um, but the new press box is pretty nice. Yeah. Pretty nice, nice facility. And uh, how has reporting on games proved different than coaching them? Well, you take an unbiased right. look at what's going on. You try to make an honest, unbiased, I think an honest, unbiased look. You know, you, I, I, I try not to pull any punches. If I think something should have happened, I, I, I look at the game as a football coach, not as a color announcer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at it as saying, okay, I think this should have happened. This should have happened. This should have happened. And, and try to do the best job I can from that perspective, not as a, uh, a, a color announcer. And I noticed, you know, when I, when I watch television, there are old players who are now color announcers yeah. and there are old coaches that are now color announcers. And the old coaches have an insight as to what should have happened. Players look at it from a player's view, you know, and coaches look at it uh, with a, a more of a wider scope. I think coaches are a little more critical of, uh, of, of the play on the field. What made you decide it was time to retire? Well, I had some uh, health problems mm-hmm. in uh, the year before I retired, and I decided that I wanted to continue to be a happy camper and so that was one of the deciding factors. And, you know, sometimes as a coach, you know it's time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you know, okay, you know, it's, it's time. And how many, it's time to pass it on. How many years in total were you here at Dow? Was I at Dow? Yeah. 20 years at Dow. 20 years, okay. And 16 at Miller And High. did Watkins take over right after? No, no. Um, uh, one of my former assistants who had left us and gone on to other coaching jobs, Kurt Faust, came okay. in for four years, and then Watkins took over. So... Jason played for me. He was he my did. he was my captain yeah. in 1990. Okay. Played center. So I, I was going to ask if you played any role in finding your replacement, but it sounds like you I was on the committee. Okay. To select uh, Jason, so that was the only role I played. Is right. you know I just my input there. But your immediate replacement just kind of took over. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so you mentioned that you coach baseball as well. So what other sports besides football? You like every sport? Or? I also coached girls golf Did you? from 1996 okay. to 2006. So I coached girls golf after I had uh, retired. Okay. Yeah. And so you were a teacher here at, were you a teacher at Midland as well? I, I was assume. a teacher at Midland okay. as well, yes. Yeah. And did that play, because we were wondering, what is it? You know, it's very rare that a coach gets hired outside of the school. You know what I mean? Right. So that probably gave you an upper hand. You mean coming here? Yeah. Well, yeah, I had a little background as to <laughs> what Midland was all about. I see that when you go for a coaching job, you have to investigate what the school's all about. Right. I lost a coaching job in Flint because my Midland upbringing was different than Flint's attitude towards athletics. So, you know, uh, training rules, uh, handling of players, stuff like that. When you come to Midland, there's a, a certain expectation that you're, that, that, that occurs. That is, you know, you're, you're expected to be good. You're expected to do the right things all the time. Not some of the time, but all the time. Mm -hmm. And those expectations, a lot of people who come here don't and apply for jobs. They don't understand that. And uh, you, have, you have to realize that. So <clears throat> when the job opened up at Dow, there were a lot of coaches at Dow that wanted the job. And there were some other coaches at Midland High that also wanted the job. And there were some coaches from outside that wanted the job. I think one of the things that uh, helped me get the job was the fact that I was very successful in another sport. And already, I'm a head coach in another sport and successful in winning state championships. Mm -hmm. So I knew what being a head coach was all about. There's a lot more to being a head coach than there is coaching football. Yeah, I mean, coaching football just one small part of it mm -hmm. it's dealing with the media yeah. it's dealing with parents it's dealing with uh equipment it's dealing with uh hiring and firing sometimes firing of assistant coaches so there's a lot more to being a head coach yeah. than just coaching football that's the easy part uh, that's the fun <laughs> part yeah the other part is you know and i think a lot of times a good football coach a good coach, I should say, is how well do you handle your players? And I would tell them, I'm going to treat everybody fairly, but I'm not going to treat everybody equally because mm -hmm. I can't do that. Because, you know, some everybody's different. 
So I got to treat everybody fairly. Um, and that was my role all the way through. You know, I had, I had uh, troublemakers, yeah, you know, and you have sure. to handle troublemakers. <laughs> I had uh, students that didn't know where the classroom was. So I had to kind of direct them that way. Uh-huh. Um, I had students that had many personal problems, players that had personal yeah. problems. And so that was my role. And my, I really, I, I tried to be an intermediary between <clears throat> teachers and players, if I could. So that kind of leads into my <clears throat> question is, how much of your life did being a head coach consume? Wow. During football season, probably about 90%. <laughs> yeah. And off season, maybe 50%. Okay. So you have some specifics about that? Hours per day? Hours per day. Well, if you're a good football coach, and you're a dedicated football coach, there aren't enough hours in the day. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, Sunday night meetings, and then I would go home and spend Sunday night after the meetings to one o'clock looking at films and getting prepared for Monday. See, my role on Monday, and I know it's different today, but my role on Monday as a football coach was to make a bad day good. Monday's awful. Yeah. I mean, you, nobody wants to do anything on Monday. <laughs> no. So <clears throat> my role was to make a bad day good. How how we were going to do that. And so that was the day when I would tell the players, today you're going to work. But we're going to work. We're going to work hard, but we're going to work towards winning the football game on Friday. We're going to win the football game on Monday, not Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to win it on Monday. So then Monday night, we had a quarterback club after practice. So I would cook for my coaches on Monday night because I knew Monday night was going to be a late night. So I would have food brought in and, and, uh, and cook for them. And then I'd have quarterback club. And then I'd go home and back to another late night of films. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were, uh, practice days, and we pretty much had the game plan in place. Friday night's a game, and after the game, we look at the film. Saturday morning, coach players come in, and we have breakfast here at the school, and we watch the game film of the night before and do find out what our injury situation was and any treatment that was needed. And then Saturday afternoon was really one of the free times that we had. Did you have film your entire time as a coach? Yes. Okay. We had uh, 16 millimeter mm-hmm. when I started. Then we moved to VHS. And then right at the end of when I was coaching is uh, when we went to. Uh, Did you ever regret taking head coach job? Never. Never? Never. I, I always felt I was <clears throat> meant to be a head football coach. Do you wish there was anything different about your coaching career? Yeah, that I won more down middle and football games. <laughs> See, I, <clears throat> I have memories of every single game. There were games that we lost by the flukiest of things. Mm. And 
you know, I felt, okay, these were great games and such great pressure. And, you know, there were, there were four or five games in there that I wish we'd have done things differently. So, yeah, that's my. What do you think the biggest places you've seen change in since you've been a coach? Tackling. Blocking and tackling. Because we're so concerned right now about safety that we're not. And I watch this. The, the, the problem in high school coaching today is that coaches do not pay attention to details. You still have to block and you still have to tackle. All these fancy offenses, basketball on grass, uh, wide open football, that, that's wonderful. But you still have to teach blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. And every day, everybody on the team has to block and everybody has to tackle. Because you, if you don't teach it correctly, that's when people get hurt. Yeah. And you don't teach it where... You know, you're teaching it the right way. Um, Right now, the biggest problem in high school football is because offenses are so wide open, that is tackling in space. That is, you know, you're out in the open field and making tackles. And if you don't work on that, see, we used to work on that in our varsity sports class, Mm -hmm. in in, in a gym class, without, as, as agility drills. And that is that we would work to, you know, break down your strides and make your, so you made good contact, but no contact. You just went, you know, like a little touch on the hips and that would be it. But you have to teach that. It's not natural. And you have to find the players that want to do that because sometimes that's not natural either. Mm-hmm. I mean, either, either you want to do it. You know, I, I would say football is not for everybody. No. Football's for those that want to play football. And um, it always amazed me. I, uh, I I love the fact that we had good numbers all the time, all the way through. We had a lot of players that wanted to play. And I would tell them, you got to want to play football. I mean, you can play those other sports, you know, because but you have to want to play football. And you have to understand what it's all about, you know, that you you have to get prepared. You have to be physically prepared to play. You don't have to be physically prepared to play in some other sports. You just you're just naturally gifted. You know, I mean, a baseball player. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he's naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. You know, he can throw, he can hit. Football players, you know, there's such a wide variety. I mean, you have a six foot five, three hundred pound player, and you have a five foot five, hundred and forty five pound player. You know, and so you have to be able to adjust to all those. Would you say overall that it's changed for the better or the worse? It's changed for the better in that we are really concerned about the safety of the individual player and the well-being of the individual player. Uh, In that respect, I would say, yes, it's changed much for the better. I think equipment has changed. Oh, yeah. I think uh, that, which has been great. Uh, it still comes down to can the coach teach? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Can he teach? Can he teach how to safely tackle? Can he teach how to correctly block? Uh, we have too many coaches today that are more into scheming yeah. as, rather than coaching and teaching. 
we want good teachers out there. Do you see a difference between the student athletes now versus when you were teaching them, coaching them? I mean, I don't no. know how. No, not really. How much you? No, no, no. I, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I know you, you don't know this, but I go to every game, but I stand right by the locker room gate there. Yeah. Okay, and I like to see players come in and come out, and I, I can pretty well tell who the Yahoos are and who, <laughs> who are not. You know, because there, there are a lot of players that play football just to wear a uniform. You know, they, they're what I call performers, and then there are players. Mm-hmm. And so I can see by their attitude, just right there. I mean, you know, I tried to eliminate the performers and find the players. I think that's everything I have for you. Okay, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Teach your children well. Their father's hell. Did slowly go by and feed them on your dreams. The one they picked, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why? If they told you, you would cry. So just look at them and.